We just did a sweeping update of our Dynasty trade value chart. So today I'm going to be going through some of my biggest buys and my biggest sells trade targets at every Dynasty fantasy football position. You guys are going to get to see behind the scenes what we have going on over at Flock Fantasy. And I'm going to use that information. Who's a hard buy? Who's a soft buy? Who's a hold? Who's a soft sell? And who's a hard sell to break down some trade targets for you guys. So I know if you guys are playing Dynasty fantasy football, you're probably subscribed to this channel. But if you aren't, go ahead and change that put a d at the end of that subscribe button hit the like if you guys enjoy now let's get into it all right so we're going to go in kind of a wonky order here i'm going to kick things off with the wide receiver position because i know that's you know a very common fantasy position that everybody wants to hear about basically the structure of this video is i'm going to go through each position who are my hard buys who are my soft buys, who are my soft sells, and who are my hard sells. On Flock Fantasy, we just did an update of our Dynasty trade value chart, and one of the features is we look at keep trade cuts value, we look at our consensus rankings, specifically in this video, my rankings, and we decide, okay, you know, keep trade cut values this player as wide receiver 7 on uh, in Dynasty, I have them as wide receiver 10 in Dynasty, ergo, they're probably a bit of a soft sell right now. A couple spots different is a soft sell, or a soft buy, and a lot of difference is a hard buy or a hard sell. So without further ado, let's get into the hard buys at wide receiver. For me, my wide receiver one in Dynasty is Jamar Chase, and he is currently the wide receiver three in Dynasty, and there is a bit of a value discrepancy for how I view him versus how the market views him. Jamar Chase is still very expensive, but among the top wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson and maybe Marvin Harrison, if you wanted to group him in there, I am most confident in Jamar Chase's situation. I think they're all elite wide receivers, but with Joe Burrow there as the starting quarterback, I'm worried a little bit about what Kirk Cousins' situation is going to be. Dak Prescott isn't as good as Joe Burrow, and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd may be on the way out there in Cincinnati. I think we could be in store for a monster, legendary type season this coming year from Jamar Chase, who of course is still not even 24 years old yet. He's also the youngest of those three wide receivers if we exclude Marvin Harrison. So of course we know Chase is capable of those big games, but I think this is the year that we see him have the 180, 190 target consistent week winning performances that we know he's capable of. So when I talk about some of the sells, Jamar Chase is going to be the type of guy that if you're selling on a player, you want to try and get up to. Even if he's still very expensive, you can get him for 95, 90 cents on the dollar. He is absolutely worth it. For example, if you guys are not huge believers in Puka Nakua, maybe you can trade Puka Nakua and a late first rounder for Jamar Chase and a random second rounder. That's the type of deal I'm talking about with Jamar Chase. Or if you're just in a house money team and you're ready to push things into the middle, and you have draft capital to burn, I do believe I'm comfortable giving up, you know, three mid to late first rounders for Jamar Chase, but you might not even have to pay that right now. So the other hard buy that I have on this list is Calvin Ridley. I still view him as a tremendous talent, which is why I think he is a hard buy. Wide receiver 27 on the season is not what we signed up for. I expected a, a much better season out of Calvin Ridley. A lot of things went wrong in Jacksonville from Lawrence's injuries to him not playing well to the scheme to Christian Kirk and all the other stuff that went on. But 136 targets, top eight, in air yards, top eight in deep targets, and top three in red zone targets all make me still a believer in Calvin Ridley. It was just a lot of bad luck, a lot of big plays not connecting. He is a free agent this year, so we don't know if he's going to be back in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. But regardless, I still think that uncertainty presents a buying window, or if you're in a startup, you can get it. I'm like in the ninth round of a startup right now, and he's still on the board. If you guys can get Calvin Ridley for basically an early second rounder, even a mid-second rounder, I think he has a chance to bounce back in 2024. If he doesn't go back to 
Jacksonville, somebody's going to give him a big contract, a team like Carolina or New York or somebody in need of a number one wide receiver, and you can get him for a pretty cheap price tag right now. So uh, moving on to the soft buys at wide receiver. There's a lot more guys here. Basically a soft buy, like I said, we're just kind of like a few spots discrepancy. I have Devontae Smith at wide receiver 16, for example. I think he's wide receiver 19 on keep trade cuts. So they're soft buys. They're not guys that I'm saying, you know, go sell the farm for. They're absolutely buys but they are guys that you might be able to get a slight discount on. So so let's start with Rasheed Rice, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. He is averaging nine targets per game as a rookie since week 12, and he is tethered to Patrick Mahomes for the rest of his career, most likely. So I did not like Rasheed Rice, the prospect, but he has been outstanding in the last like eight to 10 weeks or so. And there's rumors stating that Travis Kelsey might retire. That could open up the alpha dog role. I think they'd probably add some receiving talent to this team, either in the draft or in free agency. But I still think, I mean, Rasheed Rice, even if he's the number one B or number two receiver for Patrick Mahomes wide receiver you know 18 price tags right now is kind of where he's valued on keep trade cut I still think that is an absolute steal for a guy that is going to be very productive very consistent and a clean projection year over year because of his quarterback and his head coach so uh, Devontae Smith Drake London and T Higgins also all soft buys for me um, pretty varying situations here but all disappointing seasons nonetheless to some degree what whether it was you know a talent issue a quarterback play issue whatever they're all very talented wide receivers I believe firmly that Devontae Smith Drake London and T Higgins are all you know, top 24 wide receiver talents across the NFL. They just need health and better quarterback play to go their way in future seasons to be worth the price tag that I have listed for them there. Um, T Higgins, for example, isn't guaranteed to go back to Cincinnati, but again, you're buying into a talented 25 year old wide receiver who's been a high end wide receiver too anytime he's been on the field. And that's sharing the field with a guy like Jamar Chase. And then of course, uh, Devonte Smith just needs the chaos in Philadelphia to calm down a little bounce back. They fired their OC. That's all well and good. And then Drake London, let's just get this dude a quarterback. I don't exactly who it's going to be, but anybody is better than Desmond Ritter. And of course, Arthur Smith being gone is definitely good news as well. Uh, Devontae Adams and Marquise Brown, similar story. They're both talented veteran wide receivers. In Devontae Adams' case, I think he's firmly still one of the best receivers in the league. Both statuses are up in the air in terms of if Marquise Brown's going to be back with Arizona because he is a free agent. Devontae Adams has kind of you know, hinted that he wants out of Las Vegas, but with Antonio Pierce back, maybe he wants to stay. Not exactly sure. Regardless, again, you're just buying into talented veteran wide receivers that should be, you know, wide receiver twos uh, or wide receiver threes at the very least when it comes to their projection for fantasy. And then when these, when you get to these other guys, they're more upside swings. Jahan Dotson, Jerry Judy, Wondell Robinson, and Khalil Shakir, they're all sprinkled around the like upside range of wide receiver 40 to wide receiver like 65. Jahan Dotson should get a new quarterback, which is why I feel excited about him. I liked Sam Howell, but for whatever reason, he was spreading the ball out a ton. I don't know if that was schematic. I don't know if that was Howell's style. Hopefully, he does get Drake May as his quarterback at second overall here in the draft. Jerry Judy is a free agent, so maybe a change of scenery somehow helps him. He did have like a wide receiver two finish in 2022, just had a bad season overall in 2023. Uh, then Wandell Robinson and Khalil Shakir, they're both talented slot receivers. Wandell Robinson now healthy because he was coming off an ACL tear. Not a whole lot going on there in New York. They'll probably add a receiver in the draft, I would imagine. But if he can be the number two receiver there, I think that's um, fine and he can be a very productive piece 
PPR guy. And then with Khalil Shakir finally getting some snaps in this offense now with Gabe Davis, a free agent, with uh, Stefan Diggs' status up in the air. We don't know what's going on there, but he has looked good and he has looked like a talented slot wide receiver. So um, the cells at the wide receiver position, again, these are the hard cells and the soft cells. Only one hard cell here uh, being Romeo Dobbs, but for the most part, these guys are all cells in some shape or fashion there. Michael Pittman Jr. is a great option, don't get me wrong, but the reason I have him listed here as a soft sell is because his damage was mostly done with Gardner Minshew and not Anthony Richardson, and I do believe that Shane Steichen in this offense will run a lot more through Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson's legs than they will through the air the way that they did with Minshew, and I think that opens up a smidge of a selling window because, you know, Michael Pittman's valued as like a top 18 dynasty wide receiver right now, and I think you can use him to get up to Devontae Smith, maybe even get a return on top of that, Drake London, T. Higgins, or maybe you can use him to get up to Jamar Chase, assuming you have some other capital to throw in to that trade. It probably won't just be like Michael Pittman in a late first for Chase. You'd probably have to throw in like a second or another piece or something like that, but I'm absolutely comfortable doing that. Michael Pittman's a back-end wide receiver too uh, on the up right now, so usually when someone's on the up, I usually like to see what it takes to get into a tear-up situation. And then I'll just group the Packers wide receivers together, Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. I like both of them. I don't think that you have to sell either guy, but Christian Watson was hurt all year, and I do believe that he's still a talented enough receiver to at least be in the running for the number one receiver here. I don't know if there is a number one receiver. I think all four, including Dontavian Wicks, of these wide receivers are very talented. Jordan Love is clearly a good quarterback. We're going to see all of these guys kind of mix and match, have their weeks. I think they're great in best ball, but I don't think that any one of them, because they're all pretty talented, in addition to those two tight ends that they have, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, are going to you know, take over this offense and be the number one wide receiver. So I'm not typically a too many mouths to feed type of goober that talks about, you know, when there's other talented players there, you can't draft anybody. But when they're all of like a similar talent level, I do think they do cannibalize each other and limit each other's upside. But regardless, I, I would feel comfortable having them on my team. It's just difficult to say that they have any upside to climb further. So with Jaden Reed and with Romeo Dobbs specifically, they're on the up right now. Christian Watson is on the downswing. It wouldn't shock me next year if he led the team in targets. So if you can change Jaden Reed out for a better option, a more secure option, a guy who's a number one for his team, I think that makes a little bit more sense. So uh, Rashid Jaheed also listed here. He's valued highly for some reason in best ball. I think he's fine, but I think they're going to add to that wide receiver group in New Orleans. Now let's move on to the running back position. You guys can see I don't have any hard buys at the running back position because it's running back. We don't usually um, you know, go all in for these guys, but I do think there's a lot of good buys at varying price tags. You can see I got some RB1 buys, some RB2 buys, and then some later round buys there. So uh, Bijan Robinson is the premier buy at running back, and the reason he's the premier buy is because there's so few stud running backs in the NFL that are going to be workhorses for the next four or five years, and especially now with Arthur Smith gone, I do believe that will be the case for Bijan Robinson. Again, some uncertainty up in the air. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. We actually don't know who the coach is going to be as of this recording, but Arthur Smith is gone, which is good news for Bijan, and I know he's a talented running back, and I know 15% of the team's targets as a rookie is a very impressive number. He's still just 22 years old, barely 22 years old at that, so definitely love that for Bijan, and if you need um, you know, if you have a house money team, you're trying to turn into a contender this year. Bijan is the guy that I'm going after. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, also um, a very uh, solid option as a buy right now. 
big time beneficiary of Anthony Richardson, as opposed to Michael Pittman, as I talked about already. I think that will open up rushing lanes for Jonathan Taylor. He's kind of just been banged up the last couple of years. And I can't really blame Jonathan Taylor too, too much because he still looks like a very talented running back when he's on the field. We know this offense still runs through him, especially when they're in the red zone. And I think he's still a great two to three year RB1 projection. He's tied to the Colts for the next couple of years on a big contract. Great buy for contenders or a house money team coming out of a rebuild. I think Jonathan Taylor is a great type of dude to, to, you know, project a two to three uh, year RB1 window for. Same goes for Rashad White, Josh Jacobs, and Ramondre Stevenson. I think they're all pretty clean projections. A little bit more risk than Jonathan Taylor, for example, but I do think you know, RB1 production, high-end RB2 production is what you can expect for the next two, maybe three years out of those guys especially when it comes to Rashad White and Ramondre Stevenson. They could get backfield competition. Josh Jacobs, of course, is a free agent. We don't know if the Raiders are going to bring him back, although Antonio Pierce has been very complimentary of him. But it's not like we have like an elite running back class to worry about. Even if you know they add somebody to Rashad White's backfield or Ramondre Stevenson's backfield, it probably won't be like a second-round running back. It'll probably be a day-three guy he'll have to mix in. So I feel pretty comfortable that those guys, if you're a contender, you can get a decent price on them right now. I actually drafted Rashad White in the eighth round of the dynasty startup that I'm in, which I thought was a pretty good value. I wasn't intending on drafting Rashad White, but we were drafting players that were more early second round type of rookie pick value. And I still believe that Rashad White is valued more so as like a late first round super flex startup pick, uh, super flex rookie pick type of value. So um, Pollard, Eckler, J.K. Dobbins, and Damian Pierce, I would consider these guys buy lows to some degree. All of them had disappointing seasons. The Achilles tear, of course, for J.K. Dobbins. Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, and Damian Pierce, I don't know if they were all injured or what happened, but none of them looked very good this year, and Pierce actually lost his job to uh, Devin Singletary. I'm not being aggressive buying these dudes, but I wouldn't be shocked if any one of these three guys was just dealing with an injury and that's why they looked so bad and that's why we can get a discount on them right now. And, you know, to varying degrees, I think you can get them for a decent price tag. If, If all it costs you is a late second rounder, for Tony Pollard and the Cowboys bring him back, I think that's going to be a value. If all it costs you is a late second rounder for Austin Eckler and he goes to a new team or the Chargers bring him back, that could be a decent value there as well. It's risky because those guys could just be washed and they might not be very good. Same goes for Damian Pierce. But I do think they might be worth the risk if you're looking for cheap running back production who can really climb in value and, of course, in terms of overall fantasy production. So uh, Khalil Herbert, the last guy in this tier, um, one more year in Chicago. I like Roshan, but I don't know how this backfield's going to shake out. And Khalil Herbert was actually one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL this year. And he has one more year on that rookie contract tethered to an offense that should add either a quarterback in Caleb Williams or more receiving talent to help the offense um, with that first overall pick and just roll with Justin Fields. So uh, the running back sells. Uh, You guys can see them here. The top of the list is Kyron Williams and James Cook, who are the most expensive kind of like RB1 caliber assets here. Let me first be very clear on Kyron Williams and James Cook. I am comfortable holding both players. I like both players. I think that they're good projections going forward. However, if you can use either of them to go up to better assets, I would absolutely do that. If all it costs you to go from Kyron Williams to Jonathan Taylor is a late second round pick, then you should absolutely do that. If all it costs you to go from James Cook to Travis Etienne is a second and a third, I would absolutely do that. If all it costs you to go from Kyron Williams to Bijan Robinson is a late first round pick, you should absolutely do that. See what you can get for these guys. See if you can tear up on the market based on the fact that these guys are on the upswing right now, I would 100% be confident in doing that. 
But again, if nobody's trading for these guys, then you can just hold them. No problem. Uh, Tajay Spears and Kendra Miller both fit into kind of the next like bucket, um, even though that they're kind of uh, vastly different in price. Uh, Tajay Spears actually valued as a top 20 running back in Dynasty right now. Kendra Miller more so in like the 40s. Um, I think both of these guys are good projections. I think the reason that they're being propped up is because people are expecting their workload to change. Tajay Spears, of course, in Tennessee, Derrick Henry is going to be gone. They have a new coaching staff, and I feel excited for Tajay Spears. But at the same time, he's not the type of running back that would preclude me from adding a solid guy in free agency or in the draft. So although I kind of brought up this point for Rashad White and Ramondre Stevenson that I'm not really worried about them drafting somebody, Tajay Spears is undersized. He's more of a receiving back. It wouldn't shock me if they drafted um, Tennessee, Audric Estime in the third round. And it's a split backfield, and then we got a Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson situation in an offense that may not be very good. So I would just caution people from throwing Tajay Spears all the way up to the top of the running back charts that he is undersized. He might not be able to command a full workload, even though he's a very good player. So Spears, I think he's more of like a top 24 dynasty running back, not necessarily like a top 18 dynasty running back, like some are valuing him as. And then with Kendra Miller, I don't think there's a guarantee that A, he's very good. Like we haven't really seen him um, perform like we've seen with Tajay Spears. And then B, Kamara and Jamal Williams are under contract. So I don't know where people are expecting you know, a lot of um, big workload increase out of Kendra Miller. I think it's possible, but I think Kamara and Jamal Williams have a lot of dead money on their contracts. They're not just going to cut bait with those guys and roll with a guy that hasn't really shown anything in the NFL, especially his ability to command a workload or anything like that. So Kendra Miller, I think if people are really excited about the dude and you can cash out for a mid-second round pick or higher, I would 100% do that. And then some of these other sells I have listed here, DeAndre Swift and Jerome Ford, I think they're still being like kind of propped up by what they did this year in fantasy. 2023 Swift had a good year. Uh, Jerome Ford had a good year in relief of Nick Chubb, but neither of them have very rosy outlooks next year. And that's why we're drafting these guys or trading for these guys. We don't care what they did this year. We don't get points for that. So um, with DeAndre Swift, a free agent, I don't think he's going to go to as good of a situation as Philadelphia. And then with Jerome Ford, I think Nick Chubb will be back next year. So I'm not exactly sure why these guys are, are as highly priced as they are, but I would say definitely try and sell them off the back of what they did in 2023. And then with Keaton Mitchell, same thing. I mean, high price tag, but he is coming off of a, uh, an ACL tear and it happened late in the season. So he probably won't be back for the start of next year. Uh, if you can cash out for any second, 2024, five or six, I would 100% do it. And then Miles Sanders, the last guy listed here, I just don't think he's good. So I would probably sell him as well. So um, we can move on to the quarterback position. And again, I will remind you that if you guys want access to these trade value charts, so you know how to value your own players, I talked about it in Monday's video that, you know, one of the things that you need to be doing as a dynasty player this offseason is, you know, labeling your guys as on the upswing, on the downswing, who is a sell high, who's a buy low, who's a hold, all that good stuff. I want to remind you to check out flockfantasy.com. Use the promo code FSE for 30% off. Over there, you will get this Dynasty trade value chart. You'll get our rookie draft guide uh, version one, which is dropping February 15th. That'll be up, uh, updated all offseason. And of course, you'll get all of our Dynasty Superflex rankings, Dynasty one quarterback rankings. Our prospect rankings are live right now for Superflex and one quarterback rookie drafts as well. So definitely check out all that stuff. Our prospect model will be coming uh, probably around April. If you guys are curious about that as well, you can check out Flock. That'll be listed down below low in the pinned comment and in the description, but let's get to the quarterback position. The big one here is Trevor Lawrence, who I think is a very polarizing figure for a lot of people. Nobody is really excited about Trevor Lawrence the way that they were last year. And to be honest, like I get it to some degree. He didn't have a great season. He disappointed us in terms of what we expected from him. 
But A, he was dealing with multiple injuries from a shoulder to an ankle. Like there was a point in time where, you know, Trevor Lawrence looked like he broke his ankle and we thought he was going to be out for the rest of the season. And if he had done that, I think his value right now would be higher than it is currently. So with the Jaguars, I, I'm not really sure why we're so down on Trevor Lawrence. I, I get it. He did not perform at the level that we thought he was going to. He didn't have like an MVP caliber season. They didn't even make the playoffs, but I think it was mainly due to injury. And I think the Jaguars haven't changed their view on him at all. I think I think they still think he is their guy, his their franchise quarterback. So why should we change our view on Trevor Lawrence? The team needs to build around him more. They need better protection up front. Um, he needs to build more chemistry with Calvin Ridley if he's back. If not, then they need to address the wide receiver position. All I know about Trevor Lawrence is he has an elite prospect profile. And again, he's like in his fourth NFL season. So it doesn't really matter what his prospect profile is anymore. But at the same time, if he performs to the level of the prospect that we saw um, in his second year, especially in those playoff um, games against the Chargers and the Chiefs, then he's going to go all the way back up to a top eight a valued overall super flex asset. And right now he's down at like the top 24 range of assets. So I think he is a good, good buy right now over on the dynasty market. So definitely send out some offers for him. Will Levis is kind of like the new Jordan Love. With Jordan Love last year, you were either in on him or you were out on him. We didn't know if Jordan Love was good or not, but what we did know is that if he was good, he was athletic, he had the ability to run a little bit, and he had a big arm. And the same is true for Will Levis. Neither, none, nobody knows if he's good. And we actually have more information on Levis than we do on Jordan Love. But Tennessee should do some things to build around him. He had probably the worst offensive line in the league this year, as well as one of the worst wide receiver cores and, you know, uh, tight end cores in the league this year. So with them hiring an offensive minded head coach, they have cap space, they have a high draft pick. They need to add some pieces around Will Levis because they have nothing going on right now. And this will not be the same run heavy Titans as well. If I think a lot of people see Will Levis and they go, oh, it's a run heavy offense. They're not going to use him very much. But with Brian Callahan coming in and Mike Vrabel leaving and no Derrick Henry, most likely that's going to change how how the offense works and we could see them let Will Levis, you know, cook or let him uh let it rip for a bit. So, I do think Will Levis is a decent buy. He's risky of course cuz he wasn't that good of a prospect, but I've seen enough from him to say that like there's a world where he's the next Jordan Love. He's tough, he's physical, he's competitive, he has a big arm. You saw in that Monday night game against Miami that he has the ability to will his team to win. So, I actually feel pretty confident that Will Levis is worth the risk, but he could of course crash and burn, so keep that in mind. Um and then also uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think they're still like at least starting caliber quarterbacks across the NFL. So I think in free agency this year, they should have the opportunity to start somewhere. Even if, you know, all they cost you is a third round pick, they're good depth for super flex league specifically. In one quarterback leagues, I wouldn't worry about them at all. But in super flex specifically, they're interesting. Um, and then the soft buys at the quarterback position. Uh, the big one here is Joe Burrow. And similar to Jamar Chase, it's just a lost season for Joe, Mur uh, Joe Burrow. 90 cents on the dollar is what you can get him for. If you're going after an elite quarterback by, say, pivoting off of Tua Tungavailoa or Brock Purdy or Justin Fields or somebody like that, go up to Joe Burrow if you can. See what it costs you to go from Justin Fields to Joe Burrow. Maybe it's a late first and an early second or something. That is absolutely worth that price tag, or maybe you have to add on something to do that. Um, Bryce Young is also very similar to Will Levis. I think he's a soft buy right now because I'm you know, not sure if he's good. I, I was very confident that he was a good prospect, but I'm not sure if he's going to be good in the NFL. But I do think at his current price tag with Bryce Young, he just went like the seventh round of a startup that I'm doing. That's like a late first, early second round price tag. 
And he has the ability to really climb in value into that like Tua Tungavailoa, Brock Purdy area of like a mid-second, early third-round startup pick. So with Bryce Young, I'm concerned for him, but I feel uh, that this is a good spot uh, to swing. If you can get him for an early second-rounder or two seconds or something like that, that is a good spot to swing for Bryce Young because people are very, very down on him, very soured on him. And I do think Carolina has at least the chance to build around him properly this offseason. They have cap space. They don't have the first overall pick, which obviously really, really sucks. But I do think if you get a young offensive mind in there, that at least presents some uh, reason for optimism for Bryce Young. Frank Reich, bad coach, didn't really work in that situation. Uh, Matthew Stafford, also a guy that I think is a decent soft buy right now. Very productive if you need help at quarterback as a contender. He'll be dirt cheap right now, given his age. You could probably get him for an early second or cheaper. Um, So if you need a third quarterback for your contending window, this is probably the time to buy Matthew Stafford. I don't think he's going to retire or anything like that. Um, Jacoby Brissett, also very similar to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill. I just think he's a good quarterback, and he'll probably have an opportunity to compete somewhere, whether it's for a starting job or whether it's, you know, to back up Will Levis who could you know be a pivot candidate uh, throughout the season it's similar to what he was this year in Washington I think that's what uh, Jacoby Brissett can be and I think that makes him a top 35 to 40 uh, dynasty quarterback and that's not how he's being valued right now so um, some of the cells that I have at the quarterback position again don't get too too crazy with me calling CJ Stroud a soft sell here the reason I have him listed as a soft sell and again don't take this as a negative it's just that keep trade cut values CJ Stroud as the quarterback three in dynasty and in my opinion I do not value him over Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow so that's the difference there I I get it the age he's got a little bit more youth on his side but with quarterbacks man like I don't care that Joe Burrow's 29 years old or 28 years old and CJ Stroud is 22 like they're both going to play like five ten more years at least so I don't really care it's not like they're running backs or wide receivers where age matters a little bit more. So with CJ Stroud, if you can get to those guys or potentially get those guys plus in return for CJ Stroud, that would be the only avenue in which I would sell him. But at the same time, I I still very much believe in him. I probably don't want to sell him in general. And then moving all the way down here to the 20s here, I have uh, Deshaun Watson listed as a soft sell. I just really don't know what to do with this guy. Um, I lean sell because I can no longer you know, just use the excuse that he had a lot of time off and, you know, he'll figure it out because he's a great quarterback. He's looked bad for like two years now. So with Deshaun Watson, I am a lot more nervous on him this year than I was on him last year. The bottom line is he should have been better than he was. And Joe Flacco took the exact same team to the playoffs with this offense and looked way better than Deshaun Watson. So it's very hard for me to just say like, This guy's a former three-time top five fantasy quarterback in his second, third, and fourth seasons in the NFL. It's hard for me to just say discard this guy at a quarterback 23 price tag. But I don't know. Maybe karma's a bitch. Maybe that's why he can't perform. I'm not sure. Deshaun Watson, not a guy that I really want to tether myself to going forward in the NFL. Uh, Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, is this year's Geno Smith. Obvious connection there with Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator. I think he's a fine hold as a quarterback three, which is what I would have said about Geno last year. But look at Geno's trajectory, right? Didn't have a greater, he didn't have that great of a season this year without Dave Canales, who's getting head coaching interviews for a lot of NFL teams right now. But try to use Baker Mayfield to upgrade to somebody better because I do think the Buccaneers will re-sign him to a one, two, three-year deal and he should have his weapons back. If they re-sign Baker, they're probably going to re-sign Evans, probably going to re-sign whatever guys that they need to on the defense to keep this thing going. But if I can use Baker Mayfield, who's on the upswing right now, to get to a safer option like Brock Purdy or Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Fields or 
even if you wanted to take the risk on Bryce Young using Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff, potentially, I do think that's worthwhile. Um, so Baker Mayfield, a guy that I think is fine if you lucked into him as a quarterback three, as I did in one of my leagues, he's a fine hold, but I'm going to shop him and see what I can get for him because I think that's just smart uh, asset management in Dynasty. So uh, Derek Carr and Kenny Pickett, I'm selling these guys because even though they're technically starting quarterbacks, that's pretty much all they bring to the table is being starting quarterbacks because in they might only be starters a for one more year with their current teams and you can't use them in fantasy when they're on the field they give you like 14 points a game in your super flex spot or in your second quarterback spot so they don't do anything for me in terms of upside they don't do anything for me in terms of what I can project from them going forward Kenny Pickett and Derek Carr have good weapons they have good offensive lines and they can't really do anything I'd rather have second round rookie picks than either of these guys to keep it a buck so if you can get rid of them for a second round rookie pick do it but if not then you should probably just hold them and see what happens later on in the offseason so um, moving on to the tight end position I'll kind of just speed through these because they're tight ends um, hard buys uh, Andrews screaming by with Isaiah Likely's emergence and Mark Andrews's recent history people have kind of out of sight, out of mind, Mark Andrews. He's still a top three dynasty tight end, in my opinion, if you include Brock, uh, Brock Bowers. If he if you don't include Brock Bowers, he's the dynasty tight end too for me. So he's definitely a great buy on the market for contenders right now. George Kittle, same boat. He's always cheap. People get so sick and tired of him uh, being inconsistent, but the bottom line is tight ends are inconsistent and none of them can give you the ceiling on a weekly basis that George Kittle can playing in that offense. So definitely go and buy him. Dallas Goddard has the Philly stink on him, just like Devontae Smith right now. Nobody he's excited about that offense, but he'll probably be a mid tight end one next year and most years going forward. And then Fryermuth is the real youth factor here. I do think I like a lot of what he's done so far in his NFL career, but he just doesn't have a quarterback and he doesn't really have a good offensive scheme around him, but that could change, right? If you're in a long-term rebuild, I think Pat Fryermuth is a good investment because he is a good player. I know he's a talented tight end. And if he gets a stud quarterback in the 2024 draft or the 2025 draft or in free agency or whatever, then he might be a legitimate tight end one uh, each and every year. And then some of the soft buys that I have at tight end, uh, Michael Mayer was an elite prospect. I really like buying him right now. Uh, they could lose uh, Devontae Adams, uh, that Las Vegas Raiders team. Rookie tight ends don't typically do what Sam Laporta did. So don't use what Sam Laporta did against Michael Mayer, because that's usually what rookie tight ends look like. And I do think that Mayer, because of how good of a prospect he was, could be the next Trey McBride, who Second, third year has a monster breakout. So if you're in a rebuild, I think Michael Mayer is one of the premier uh, cheap tight ends to go after. Greg Dolchich, same kind of situation as Michael Mayer. Dead, hamstring-riddled uh, season this year, but I did really like him coming into 2023, and I don't think anything's changed about that. He just had an injury-prone season. Tucker Craft, in my opinion, has done enough to beat out Luke Musgrave, and when I graded them last offseason for the NFL draft, I preferred Tucker Craft by a pretty wide margin, so it doesn't shock me that Tucker Craft looks better in the NFL than Luke Musgrave, especially for fantasy, because that's what we care about. And then with Cade Auten, uh, he built a connection with Baker Mayfield. I think Baker will be back, like I said. I don't think Evans or Godwin are going anywhere, but that still just makes this offense a good unit. And Cade Auten has proven the ability to command targets. This was only his second NFL season. Could have a monster season next year as a breakout tight end. Evans, Godwin, Auten, Rashad White. I think that's what this offense will be going forward. So I feel pretty good about that with Trey Palmer as the third receiver. And then Noah Fant is a free agent. I still believe in the talent. He hasn't been good, obviously, for a couple of years, but he was very good early in his Denver career. So if he can go to a situation that knows how to use tight ends, knows how to deploy him and get him production, then I do think Noah Fant's a sneaky, like, could be the next David Njoku. And then uh, Daniel Bellinger, really, really cheap option. If they cut bait with Darren Waller, we saw Daniel Bellinger in his, like, limited... Um, targets and his limited routes be very productive. So I actually think he's a very good, like if you're in a startup and he's available in like the 20th round, 
Daniel Bellinger is probably worth a shot at that point. And then finally, closing out this video, we have the sells at the tight end position. Travis Kelsey could retire. That's pretty much why I want to sell him. Also, looked washed this year. Uh, Jake Ferguson, Cole Komet, Dalton Schultz, and Isaiah Likely all have their merits. I think, you know, with Jake Ferguson, he's in a good offense. Cole Komet, offense could improve. He's been able to command targets. Dalton Schultz, if he stays with Houston, he's in a good offense. And then Isaiah Likely, very talented, clearly, but behind Mark Andrews. I think all of them are good options. I just think I would rather cash out on any of them for various second round picks or try and use them to get up at tight end, get up to Dallas Goddard, get up to Pat Frymuth, get up to Michael Mayer, or try and go all the way up for, you know, a Kyle Pitts or a TJ Hawkinson or somebody like that. And then finally, Luke Musgrave, fun upside swing. But as I mentioned with Tucker Kraft, I do think he's the worst of the two Green Bay tight ends. I think Kraft is better than him and that's going to play out in the future. So that's why I'm selling on Musgrave, who was a second round pick, who probably people will be excited about to some degree still, even if they saw what Tucker Kraft did. So again, if you guys want all of these dynasty trade value charts, the buy sell hold advice. I update them probably once every like six weeks or so. I'm going to try and make sure that they're fully up to date for those of you guys um, with the major calendar events. Like right now, this first update is like a mid-January update. But the next big update I'll do will probably be after free agency when we have some things move around. And then after the combine, when we have some rookie information and then after the NFL draft, of course. So make sure if you guys do want access to dynasty trade value charts, very, very good resource for those of you guys that are new dynasty players. Check out the link down below in the description, flockfantasy.com. Use the promo code uh, FSE for 30% off. You get a seven day free trial when you sign up. So you can see everything on the site. You can see all the value that we have to offer you. And if you sign up annually, you'll get six months for free. So so basically, if you sign up annually, the cost of this on a monthly basis is like two Starbucks coffees. And also, when you sign up annually, you'll get a free Zoom consultation with myself or with Danny to talk about whatever you want to talk about relating to fantasy football. So with that being said, appreciate you guys for stopping in. Leave a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Peace out, and we'll talk to you soon.